I'm Jennifer Palmer, I'm the host of Online for Authors. Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. Online for Authors has come under the management of Visibility Pod. Visibility Pod manages the podcast as well as all of the guest and host booking and communication to get the episodes scheduled, up and running, and posted on to various platforms as well as creating all of our wonderful content. I'm currently a visibility strategist with Visibility Pod and offer coaching. Some coaching is offered via live visibility strategy sessions. Take those in and see if working with Visibility Pod, me as a strategist, is a fit for you. Email visibilitypodcasts at gmail.com. This is the Online for Authors podcast. Thanks for being here. Welcome to episode 19 with Corey Lane Hilton. And he is the author of Take It Off. Corey says, my story is very unique due to my former career but also the pitfalls I experienced with addiction, divorce, and mental health. I'm not an expert, but my life experiences provide entertainment, relatable struggles, which I was able to overcome by taking two years off of relationships and career to work on inner self after avoiding it for most of his adult life. Best-selling author and authenticity coach, Corey Hilton, is here to inspire, educate, and entertain us. Welcome, Corey. Hi, Corey. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Your book's already out. You've just released. Yeah, it's all over the place. Walmart, freaking <laughs> nice. Barnes and Noble in the U.S. Uh, chapters in to go. Uh, Amazon. Being the author of a book and a certified authenticity coach, you've gone through a bunch in your century. <laughs> And there are some things there that you could probably share with others so that they have an easier time in their life. Realistically, Jennifer, it's just really relatable struggles. A lot of things that really I just dealt with just through a different lens based on my career. That lens took me into a realm that was a, a little bit more of a roller coaster ride in comparison to what a lot of people deal with just because of the environment that I was in. That was quite original. My former career as a male exotic dancer, it's something that a lot of people don't really understand. They may not want to do it, but they kind of want to know what it was like, the experience, whether it was you know, dancing in front of five girls or 5,000 girls. It was just one of those things. I lived behind an alter ego for many, many years, even a different name for many, many years. It was a, really a perfectionist game in a lot of ways, a comparison game a lot of the time. I, I lived that life from age of 17 until 43 years old. That's just a very original, unique story that, that took me all over the world, a very original industry that's kind of misunderstood to a certain degree. I want to clarify some things. On top of that, when I was done with the storyline, I just really wanted to make it more. I wanted to show that where I was straining my core values, why I went into those pitfalls and the struggles that I went through, right? Because I couldn't even figure that out for many years. I was really having to try to connect those dots. The writing process really did help me to connect those dots and working with Daring to Share Global out of Ontario. They really focused in on authenticity and really allowed me to be able to really clarify my own core values and clarify the feelings that, that, that were behind those core values and be aware of when I was actually feeling the opposite feelings. So that really allowed me to connect the dots to become a better version of myself for the future instead of falling through 
the same type of pitfalls again. So if I can help other people go out to do that, that's a really gratifying thing for me. That's what gives me the goosebumps and makes me wake up in the morning now is, is more so that side of it in comparison to just taking my clothes off for a living. So that's a big change. Lots of changes. Yeah, I can honestly say I have not taken my clothes off for a living, so I don't, I cannot relate to that part, although your book is definitely giving me a, a good idea of what that was all about. I have a totally new appreciation for elastic bands. I Yeah, that's an interesting one, hey? Uh, a lot of people don't understand that or realize that that's what male dancers have to go through. It's not all just the glory of being out on the stage and having a good time, right? Let's not give it away. We're going to let them read the book. A little bit of a secret in the book that you just have to read it to find out. What was life like growing up? I was really blessed in a lot of ways, honestly. When it comes down to it, I was born into a family that, yes, was middle class. We didn't have, like, a lot, a lot of money, so to speak. I can say that I was born into a family that had already raised a generation of kids before me because I was adopted to my grandparents. So by having that groundwork laid by them already, they already kind of knew the parenting role quite a bit. But at the same time, they only had the tools that they had. Some of those tools were amazing. I'm really lucky that I had this it saved my life in a lot of ways. A couple of times when I was going through some pitfalls, I heard my dad's voice a few times throwing the morality, throwing the integrity out from some of those long walks that we had when I was a kid. I really was blessed to be able to actually have that type of connection with my parents. In fact, like even just not maybe necessarily staring into a screen back in the 70s, but actually going and doing things with your family, actually having like a dinner at a table and you're actually having a conversation instead of staring at a TV or whatever the distraction is in this era now. So I was really lucky to have that. I never went without clothes. I never had a problem with food on the plate. I was really always kind of really lucky to not have that type of struggle. We always got by, but we were never really pushing ahead because in a lot of ways, my grandfather who raised me, he was smart. He was a really good guy, but he only had so many tools in his belt and he worked harder than he worked smarter sometimes. And so if you're going to put it into the rich dad, poor dad, he was kind of in the middle. <laughs> he had a lot of emotional disconnect issues based on being a former war vet. He was in World War II. On top of that, he had some emotional issues to do with his family background that were pretty heavy T traumas from being raised in the Depression. If you don't actually bring it to a head, if you don't actually go and get therapy for it, or you don't try to resolve that inside of yourself, then the cycle continues. That's kind of what happened with my family, other family members that were raised before me, they in their own ways struggled with these same types of disconnect issues. I was of this next generation where they did sort of the same type of parenting, I guess you could say. When it came down to it, I was hungry to break that cycle in my own way. I was the type that really, I realized that at an early age that I probably wasn't going to have kids, that I wanted to go out and I wanted to be able to explore the world, be a jumper, try new things and really not be the guy that sat in my own settled area, drinking my same drink with my same friends and just, you know, not getting out there. I always wanted to, I had this deep desire to travel and see the world, which I have done quite a bit of. <laughs> the, the upbringing that I had was really in a lot of ways, really so good in some ways. And yet I had to do a lot of, I guess you could say damage control later in my 40s. In my late 40s, I, I realized that there was a little bit of damage there that I just never really dealt with. That was what attracted me to being on stage a lot of the time, was getting the emotional connection, getting that emotional reaction out of a crowd, whether it was laughing, crying, screaming, whatever it was. I love that because it was something that I just didn't have a lot of interaction with. Not saying that I was so deprived. My parents loved me. 
they just showed it in a different way. There wasn't lots of honeys and love yous and sweeties in my household. It just didn't tick like that. It was just a different different environment than some kids get. But that was the situation that I had. I'm not here to cry river about it. It was just, you know, the way that it was for me. I think a lot of people have their little T traumas in their life, but it's all whether you actually pinpoint it and try to overcome it or if you just let it fester and sit there and continue to deal with it for the rest of your life, right? We talk about like an emotional lack of awareness. Yeah, absolutely. So it didn't show up. You didn't actually consciously realize that that was what was going on with you until it was you were in your forties. I think what it came down to was I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired as far as relationships went personally and professionally. I was tired of the failures. I I went through some major, major struggles, even through my marriage and my divorce. My grandfather had passed away a couple of years ago. When he passed away, I just went through this odd time. I had already decided before this I was going to actually write a book. My preparation for writing a book has been almost a decade now. Everybody was telling me, you should, you should. I said, oh yeah, I should, but I never did. I did write the lump sum of it or the majority of it in story format without having any of the other side of it, the personal development side. I was not going to release those stories because I didn't want to tarnish the image that my grandparents had of me. Some things in there that were just a little too raunchy, things that they just wouldn't necessarily understand. So when my grandfather passed away, it was a very odd thing. I didn't really grieve. I was in Bali when it happened. I was on this trip of a lifetime. It was just a very odd situation because... A, I dislocated my toe the day that, I, that my dad died. I was actually at a water park and dislocated my toe in Indonesia. On top of that, he passed away and I heard that over dinner. And then my girlfriend and I had broken up right at the same time. All these things hitting me at the same time. Weirdly enough, I went through all this and I ended up coming back home. I decided I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting off relationships. I'm cutting off my former career. I'm cutting off everything. I was fortunate enough to have a little bit of financial backing to be able to do this just simply because of inheritance and whatnot. And I'm, I'm lucky that I did have that, but I wanted to utilize that in a, in a different way. A lot of people would maybe invest a lot of it. I wanted to invest into myself. I really wanted to try to dig in and really figure out some of these things that were holding me back. It was the journaling. It was writing a lot of that stuff down and that self-discovery. It made such a massive difference. It started at chapter one when I was five years old and it goes right on out till the very last chapter in my learning experiences. Basically all kind of comes together at the end of the book. I described the difference of man enough and how I had that perception of what a man really is supposed to be kind of skewed looking through my grandfather's eyes as far as what a relationship should be and followed the same pattern of trying to have a Ricky and Lucy marriage in the year 2000. Didn't work out so well. When I connected those dots, I was able to figure out some of those things that that I had struggles with, with, especially when it came to even my marriage, like taking accountability for my own actions in that, not just pointing the finger and saying it was all her fault. Like there's a lot there. When you have a book that's 100,000 words, it's just such a long 25 year journey. It's just, there's a lot to unwrap there. It's just been an amazing experience. And, and now I'm on the second half of it. I kind of look at it like now it's an interesting journey to be on where I just feel like my story, there is value in my story. And I didn't really think that before. I just kind of thought, how is anybody going to take a male stripper seriously? He's just a guy mm-hmm. who took off his clothes for a living, right? But there is a lot more to it. I really show that to the best of my ability, being vulnerable and being completely real about what happened. I revealed a couple things in that book that a lot of people wouldn't reveal, I guess you could say. You didn't uh, leave any secrets, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
You use grandparents, dad, mom, dad, parents, grandparents interchangeably. So when you're talking about them, they're one and the same. We understand that. Yeah, it's a hard one for me sometimes. <laughs> Understandably. It sounds like the catalyst for your life changes and your introspection and this journey that you went on that helped spur the book was the passing of those significant figures in your life. Yeah, because what it came down to, just like when I left to go to Florida, I was at a point where it was almost like a clean slate. It didn't matter what anybody thought anymore. And that came from the top on down. It didn't matter what my parents thought anymore because they passed away. I only have really two remaining family members that I stay officially connected with, and they both know my story pretty well. I don't have anything to hide there. When I left Canada to go to Florida, like I didn't have anything to hide, so I went into a new world and started experimenting with a lot of other things. And I was doing things, and I was living a very free bird lifestyle, and a lifestyle that I would never have lived here in Canada. It just wouldn't have happened. I was in a situation where my life was normalized by certain people you stay restricted in what you do you're worried about what other people are going to think or when i left and i had no one around me and i was off in this other world i didn't care about what anybody thought i was out there just doing whatever i was flow freewheeling it didn't matter and the only damage i was really doing to anybody was myself i never hurt anybody in the process even when it came to my relationships it wasn't like i was intentionally not wanting to connect it was just that for myself, I was only good at communicating. I wasn't really good at connecting with my partners. I wasn't really working on on it and trying to understand them as well. I was just kind of seeing it through my lens and it was kind of selfish in its own way. But that was just a, like maybe on the emotional level, you describe in your book something different on a physical level. Yes. I'm wondering if grief had a great role to play in your wanting to actually form that emotional connection. I don't know about that. I think that the grieving process was odd for me, and it still is. Honestly, it's not really completely over. I've found that it comes in waves every once in a while still, like anything when you lose somebody that you love that much. Yeah, you do tend to have your days every once in a while. But for me, when I went down there and I was, especially when I got married or I went through my struggles with relationships and stuff, I, I don't pass anything off on anybody else but me. I could have worked on myself more but I wasn't in that zone I was just in a zone of partying and having a good time the the thought of responsibility and accountability wasn't even in my mindset at all all of my job was to just go out and have a good time and lure girls into the club and practice choreography and do this insane industry of working 24 hours a day and being expected to be that person all the time right which can be Your stressful entertainment yeah you're always yeah. on yeah yeah. So yeah. I was under that mask. That's why half of my base is actually covered on my book because it, I was, I was living under that mask. I had thousands of acquaintances that really wanted to get to know me for whatever reason to get inside the club or just to be able to get drugs or whatever the reason was at that time. It's kind of an interesting dynamic because I actually was really, really hungry for just having a real friend or having a couple of real friends that I could just depend on. I just wanted to have people that I could trust that I could lean on a little bit and vice versa. Even though I was living this dream lifestyle, so to speak, I took my times when I just went on a Friday night when I would leave the club that was packed and go hang out with my good buddy, Ron, who has passed away now. He was an old Vietnam vet. And we'd just sit around on a Friday night and, 
and hang out just the two of us and chat stories and laugh for hours and he was somebody that i loved he was like an older brother to me in a lot of ways i had that connection with him i call my deep connections the ones that i have in my life now that are the authentic people that i'm learning from that i'm growing from i call them my flat tire five the people that i could have a flat tire at three o'clock in the morning they'd come rescue me and vice versa not even a question i still have those people in my life unfortunately i have a flat tire four now and when ron passed away one of those fingers got amputated, unfortunately, but I can still kind of feel them there a little bit. The little things now are so much more important to me where I used to pass those by and, and take them for granted a little bit. And I even took my own relationships for granted sometimes thinking, oh yeah, oh, she was great, but there'll be another girl coming by next week anyway. So it doesn't matter. I'll just move along. It's funny now that I'm sitting here in my place in Canada, at 51 years old, single, I kind of look back and go, hmm wow, it would be good to even have that opportunity to be able to have that work again. But I just was living that life at that time, right? It's weird how life works that way. I'm still happy that I ended up in the position that I'm in and grateful that I'm still alive through all the stuff that I've dealt with. It's definitely laid out in the book in a big way. So, where, did, where were you born? I was actually born in Surrey, British Columbia, just outside of Vancouver. It's a lot different there now that it was in the 70s that's for sure i don't like to go to that area of the, the province very often uh, you have to kind of drag me to go through there i really enjoy living here in Kelowna now the okanagan valley is beautiful and somewhere where i always wanted to when I, even when i was a kid i used to come up here camping a lot with my folks and, and i always thought to myself i'd probably be at, here at this age or retiring in this area that might not even be the fact to be straightforward where i want to go now with my coaching career and where i'm pushing with training and stuff can be done from anywhere in the world through a screen I might go back to asia one day you never know you've built a coaching program there are certain stages of it that are built and you're still adding on to it your goal is to help men over 30 lacking emotional expression to overcome subconscious blocks by utilizing your unique and value-driven perspectives through your journey of self-discovery after dedicating 25 years of your life to the male exotic dance industry. I understand that authenticity and introspection play a big role there. 100%. When it comes down to who I'm serving as far as the demographic, it's not restricted to just men. Realistically, anyone can take value from this. The reason why I say over 30 is just simply because I think that you still have to, you have to kind of live the slot machine of life to a certain degree to have some understanding of what I'm trying to train. I was literally living that slot machine of life for, for many, many years. When I talk about my perspective, I know this sounds almost a little creepy, especially based on the industry that I was in and calling everything, take it off. But it's like, I'm going to show you mine, you show me yours. What I mean by that. You don't want us taking our clothes off. That's all right. Yeah, no, no. You know, you're more looking for the inside stuff, not the outside stuff. Yeah, which is harder to be yeah. stirring forward about it. It really is. And it, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to get in better shape when you go to the gym. Somebody's not going to be able to do it for you even if you hire the best personal trainer. It's sort of the same thing here. In an odd way, I designed this video course, which I'm actually do, shooting the video for literally right now, which is actually going to be going up here in this next week. The, the cool thing is, is there's two kind of ways a person can do this, where if they want to go through the video course format, that's less personal. If they want to do one-on-one -on -one facilitation, they have that option as well, dependent on really how deeply you want to dive into this. As an example, like my first chapter, I, I literally lay it out and go, okay, here's my struggle and here was my core value. That is like plain view for everyone to see. And then at the end, I throw that naked truth in there, which is my clear vision, non-drug haze 
responsible, accountable side saying, hey, this is what I did. These were the mistakes that I made or the good things that I did. So I'm not calling myself an expert. I have had the experience. I've walked this walk. I have this course that I have actually done myself personally and put my own spin on this course of authenticity that I took myself by utilizing those components of that course and then having my clients cross-reference with my book and saying, okay, Jennifer, read chapter one of my book. Understand the, the struggle between truth and perspective. My perspective was skewed of what my truth actually was on the Ferris wheel. I show that struggle at a very early age, part of my course to determine your core values. I just want my client to go, okay, I want you to, to reflect on your own life of your core values that you've already listed out. If it was at an early age, what did you have at that time in your life that was a similar struggle that you can jot down, journal that down, and then go through my 10 layers. Each layer has its own component that you continuously go back to. And it's just an interesting dynamic. It's something that I did to be able to connect those dots for myself, for my relationships, for example. I realized that with my ex-wife, she was somebody that I pointed the finger at and said, it was so bad that you screwed around on me, blah, 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 for so many years. But I was never willing to use the thumb. Why? Because I wasn't willing to admit that I had actually changed as a person. So when I went back, and I looked at that, I realized that, yes, when we were having our problems, I was struggling with my core value of creativity because I had actually gotten out of the dance industry for a short amount of time. When I lost that creative element in my life, the feeling of excitement that I get from creativity was also gone. When I lost that feeling of excitement, I changed as a person. And no wonder, right around the time when the seven-year itch happens, no wonder she made the moves that she did and it wasn't all her fault. I was at least 50% accountable for that based just on connecting that dot and understanding what I did in this situation. Now, by doing that, I went back to her and said I was inauthentic. Actually opened up to her about that. The bottom line was I ended up being a role model for her. I ended up helping her to become a more authentic version of herself. She made some major moves in her life to go in the right direction. When I saw that and I saw that impact that I could have on someone, I went, yes, I have something here. If I could heal that relationship, oh, I, I felt like I could almost do anything when I was able to do that because I thought that was something that could never be healed. We had a pretty dramatic ending to our relationship. It comes back to understanding those core values, understanding about the feelings that represent them, understanding emotional intelligence and, and authenticity and how that needs to be synced together, understanding boundaries, inner balance, understanding keeping down the inner critic. These are all components of my course, transitions in life, inner conflicts. It's layered into 10 different layers. I'm really excited to open this up because I, I know just based on my own results, it was such a game changer. I call it just literally, it's liberation. It's just liberation. There are some things here that you say that I think are very important. I was my own worst critic most of my life, but learning and growing came from failure and acknowledging the mistakes I had made. Absolutely. That's, that's a huge awareness. Yeah, I look back to when I was a bodybuilder, going to the gym. I was trying to fail. I was going to the gym, working out really hard. Go to the point where you fail. And when you fail, physically, you grow. I literally went back and thought, well, that can happen the other way too. Although failure is sucks. Nobody likes to do it. I always actually even look at the stand-up comic that goes out there and fails and falls flat on their face. And then they come back and they, they kick it the next time they come out. They learned. They grew. They were willing to do it. Yeah, but you also have no idea how much material they had to throw away. 
before they got to that point. I like how you put yeah. this spin on failure very much. I think it's something we could all take away as a great learning curve and self-improvement type of a moment. There's a point where you say it took putting my clothes on to discover my truth. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. I, I work with a company called Brand Builders out of Tennessee, and they actually said that to me. She said, you know, I realized that that when you actually put your clothes on, that was when everything changed for you. It was true. When I was living behind the alter ego, I was representing something. I was selling something that I was. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. I had a good time. It was like even doing different theme shows and stuff. It was good. I was really creative and enjoyed it. I have zero regrets about going into the industry. I was never exploited any of that. So I can go out the window. When I was able to actually <laughs> struggle and go to the point where I lost everything. At 38 years old, I did. Okay? I lost my house. I lost my car. I lost my wife. I lost my dog, my cat, everything that I owned. And I was living literally out of a bag here in Kelowna in my aunt's basement and didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I was banned from being in the U.S. for three years. So <laughs> You were banned? I'm sorry? Yep. Yeah, I was not allowed to go back to the United States for three years. I was banned from the U.S. 100%. Okay. Um, well, we'll have to yeah. read the book to find out more about that. Yeah. So, but, but through that, just to get, to get to the point, but what happened was I was left naked in a different way. I was stripped down completely naked. I had nothing. In fact, I was at a point where I wanted to jump off of a ledge at that time. I was like, my life is literally over. What am I even going to do here? And I had to make a change and I had to learn new things and start a new career, all these things. And I could have went one direction or the other in that moment of drugs or whatever I could have. A lot of people probably would have. I didn't. I just decided I'm going to rebuild myself. So I did that, but I rebuilt myself in the wrong way. I was just working on exterior and trying to make my image look great so I could attract the right person in my life without even thinking about the reality that the only way I'm ever going to really attract the right person in my life, personally or professionally, I got to work on me. I have to really, really get down to the nuts and bolts as to why I'm having these issues. That writing process made such a massive difference with that. Now that I'm actually in, in, in this zone, Again, I feel like I'm a better version of myself than I was when I had that great body when I was on stage. The guy that I actually look at in the mirror now, I appreciate a lot more than the person I used to. I really believe that whoever it is that I have in my life the next time, personally or professionally, they're going to get the real me. They're not getting a sold version of me. They're getting the straight up, the guy that's now accepting other people's feedback, looking for people that I can disagree with so that I can understand their perspectives and actually truly understand them and say, hey, you know what? I don't speak really generally through religious or political ideology because I don't, but I disagree with you and that's okay. And I think you disagree with me too, and that's okay. I just want to get in your head and understand you a little bit more so that we can get through this and move on to something that we do agree on and just be in that gray area because it's just such a tribal world right now in so many ways. I can't control the rest of the world, but I can sure as hell control what's in my bubble. And that's something that I really love doing now is, is, and it feels good when I can do that. They tend to respect my perspective as well when I actually open it up like that a little bit more change. That's part of me that changed in a big way. There's a point where you say, I literally had to flick a switch inside my brain and take the first step out there and present my alter ego to the crowd. And you talk about this with regards to getting on stage. But I know that when you talk, shared that you had that moment where you thought you might actually take yourself off a bridge. There's also a switch there that you had to flip. 
in order to say, okay, that's not the way I'm going to go. And yeah. I'm going to take a different route. Not only am I going to take a different route, but I'm going to use everything that I've gone through. And I'm going to help other people. I'm going to make an impact in this world. Even if it's one person that I help change or help see or help get to the point where they can have their internal reflection, introspection, make a difference for them. Yeah, it really breaks down. Fear is actually it's all about the anticipation of the fear. It's not the action. The, act, the action is usually the thing that like, is really easy. When I would take the first step out on stage, I would have butterflies. Why? Because I cared. I really wanted the crowd to love what I was going to do. I wanted them to just lose it every time I went out there. Did that happen every time? No. I had my hit and miss nights. I always had to flick that switch and just go, okay, it's time to shut everything off. Don't worry about it. Just step out there and do it and do the best you can. I was still a bit of a perfectionist at that time too. So anything less than perfect, I was very hard on myself. Now I'm in more of a progression zone where I'm accepting my imperfections and I'm okay with it. Back then when I was dancing, I was pretty perfectionist. When it came down to certain things in my life, I had fears that held me back based on Again, I found uh, connecting the dots the reason why I had some of these fears. Here's a great example. I was in the Philippines two years ago. I had a massive fear of heights. I did not like anything to do with heights for many, many years. I was at Kawasan Falls, one of the most beautiful places in the entire mm. world. Blue, blue water right below me. I'm standing 15 meters above this, this, the, the water, looking down at this waterfall. And they're saying, okay, three, two, one, jump. And I was sitting there with my heart beating out of my freaking chest. And before he hit one, I was gone. The reason is because you got to flip the switch. You, the anticipation will hold you there all day. I could have stood there, Jennifer, all day long and freaked out about it and walked back down and thought, I'm never going to be in that spot again. And I'm going to regret that for the rest of my life because I never took the, the opportunity to do it. Instead, I just jumped and had one of the most exhilarating experiences I've ever had. And it was all recorded. And I look back at that and I think to myself, when I even see that video, sometimes I go, next time you're worried about taking that step, watch that video. You've done it before. You can do it again. Discipline is something that I even focus in on the book and say, it's like a rubber band. Once it's stretched out, once you've done it before, doesn't matter what it is, you can do it again, even if it's a different thing, right? So yeah, I come I back that. to that, that whole thing. You know, it's fear, right? A rubber fear band, Corey. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a rubber band that stays stretched out. If you have that discipline, and I've gone to a point with discipline most people don't go to as a bodybuilder. When you've gone there before, even when I go into my yoga practice now and I'm just doing hot yoga, I don't even like to say just doing hot yoga because it's work. But I go 150%. Like I'm in there and I get 150% results, right? I'm getting back out of it what I'm putting into it. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this career right now. I'm all in. I'm all in because I know that if I put everything into it, I'm going to get a lot back out of it. It's not just about the money. It's about actually getting results for other people so they don't have to go out and struggle and struggle and struggle. I'd rather cut that down a little bit for other people. There is a quote that you like very much by Anton Gunn that's very fitting in here. If you'd like to share that with us. Hmm. That one would be activity now cures captivity later. Yes, that quote is actually like so good. And Anton Gunn is actually a former advisor to Barack Obama. He works in my community with brand builders. If you do it now, you're not going to be captive to a couple things later. A, having to do it later on, but B, to all the freaking guilt that you have in your head from not doing it. That's what we do. If you have to clean the house and you leave it for a week and you've got rotting dishes sitting there, you're captive to that. 
you're captive to it. You're sitting there looking at it going, oh my God, oh my God, until it gets done and you feel better. I can Simple. relate to this. It happens to me every time I get into editing because I just lose myself. So sorry, but the dishes do sit there and it's right here all the time. It's going, you need to do those dishes. I need to do this editing. You need to do those dishes. <laughs> it's like a war inside. Yeah. And and it's just, it's your own thing. Like we all have control over it. And I think my biggest quote that I, I created in, my, in the book is uh, let the dam break before you dam break. That really has a lot to do with men like my grandfather or my father <laughs> he struggled with that emotional connection he bottled up a lot of those things that he wanted to say he bottled up those emotions all of a sudden it would spill out in a very inauthentic way when his arc of intense energy so to speak when that build up got to the point of a nine or a ten on a ten scale something would come out of his mouth that he would blurt out completely inauthentic hurt people around him and it didn't do any good for anyone whereas I learned that let the damn break at like two or three. If you're worried about your man enough status, go do it somewhere else where you're not going to see people cry or you cry or whatever it is that you have to get out. Those emotions need to be got, taken out and it doesn't make you any less of a man. I always kind of come back to this and I'll just paint this little picture. As far back as I can remember as a kid, I can remember having a ten- temper tantrum. I can remember crying to the point that I didn't even know why the heck I was even crying anymore. I can remember this actually to the point where my head felt like it was going to explode because I had so much tension built up in there. When I finally stopped crying, there was this amazing feeling of relief that came over my entire body as a little, little, little kid. And that was there for a reason. It's because you're dropping, you're getting it all out of you. I didn't even know what I was getting out of me at that time. That still applies to when you're an adult. A lot of guys, they do this and they continuously bottle it up, trying to keep that status of the hunter-gatherer, This is why we have so many guys that are committing suicide. I hate to say it, but here in Canada, three or four suicides are men. And it's not just because of the pandemic. No. It isn't. The pandemic hasn't made it any better, but absolutely. It's such a release. Get it off. Take it off. Release it. it. (laughs) Continuing to read the book. It is very entertaining. Never again will I see these the same way. Yeah, that's a wake-up call, isn't it? You did what? What did you yeah, do about it? Oh. Yeah, I had a couple of interesting experiences with elastic bands that I never want to do again. <sighs> yeah, that was hell, hell. <laughs> pure hell. And just looking back, it's like, anyway, yeah, shake my what, head. What people do to entertain us. Nobody would ever have a clue. And no. the, crazy, the craziest part of that is, is just the environment that I was put into to have to do that sometimes was just on another level. Like People think that porn stars have a hard time with things just to be able to keep it, keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> Come talk to me, the guy that was getting driven from show to show in Winnipeg, Canada in minus 30 when I'm in my costume in the backseat of my driver's car trying to get an erection and put an elastic band around it to go to my next show. It's like, here, let's just make him take a polar dip and then figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I just laugh at it. I'm thinking to myself, you porn stars have it easy. At least you get something that can can turn you on. I'm sitting there just, like, trying to figure it out for myself. A lot of the time, even behind a friggin', like, just a squared-off curtain on the side of the stage. Like, it was just insane. I don't even know how I pulled it off sometimes, pardon the pun. Yeah, (laughs) I can make a joke about it, but there's just so many, so many times like that when I look back on my career and I just think to myself, did that actually even happen? But it did. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, long story, but that's why it's a hundred thousand bloody words. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. The rate things are going, there might be a take it off too, though, because my life has not gotten any more calm, especially in this last week or so. Well, definitely let's have a take it off too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Totally down. <laughs> you know, it's going to take okay. me a little bit of time. Go and visit Corey Lane Hilton. That's C O R E Y L A. I-N-E slash take it off. So take hyphen it hyphen off. And they can learn more not only about your book, other interviews you've been on, but also find ways to work with you directly should they choose to do so. Yeah, and definitely like subscribe to the website for sure to be able to get alerts on what's coming up. Just be simple as going to takeitoff.ca as well. And for your audience in, mm. in particular, definitely have them punch in author code, all small letters. I've just put my book on sale, so it's actually at a low rate right now, but I'll add an additional 10% for your audience off of that low rate as well. So they can tag that onto their, get an extra discount. When they go through the checkout, whether it's for courses in the future or for the book, they can get an additional 10% off of the rate that's already posted up on the site. I understand there's yeah. a, a spot where you can click enter a promo code, and that is going to be all lowercase author right. code. Hit apply. Definitely subscribe to your newsletter so you can find out more about everything that's coming out. Within the next week or two, I'm actually going to have my courses on there and there's going to be some other options. That's why I say subscribe because I'm going to be releasing those. And even though it's just 10%, that if a person goes for one-on-one -on -one training, that's still a pretty good little amount of money that comes off that. Good. something that will be doing here shortly. Excellent. Thank you very much, Corey, for sharing your story, for writing a book, and for yeah. uh, being inspired enough to decide to bring coaching to those as a result of you know, everything that you've journeyed through. I appreciate your time today and thank you so much you. for having me on. It was awesome. You too. Hope you enjoyed this episode. To get notifications of new releases, subscribe. You can also like, follow, download, and share. If you've enjoyed this, your friends will too.